This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah in Portland. This is Dimity in Denver. So Dim- what's going on, Sassy? I mean, no, you're not Sassy. That's my sister, Sassy. Your sister, Sassy, who had a baby this weekend. She just had a baby. That's why she's on my mind. Friday night, I'm an aunt again. Jenna Louise. So nice. Just a peanut. Just a little peanut. She's so cute. I know she is a peanut compared to your kids. You said in the text that she's seven pounds, seven ounces. and Seven, seven. Yeah, yeah. My kids were, um, you could round up to 10, nine, 13, nine, 14. And Sarah was like, she's really big for Colorado, you know, because the babies come out a little higher at the, or a little smaller at the high altitude. And I'm like, yeah, well, go up another 2,000 feet and then push out 10 pounds in Santa Fe. Okay. All right. I just want to point that out. Oh my gosh, but but maybe you still have to bake your cakes a little differently at altitude, but but your babies still are unaffected I hate, I hate by big babies. God, I, can you imagine if I had that baby at sea level? Either one of them, they would have been like twelve pounds, like jellyfish coming out. Oh my god! And we would have had to base them when they came out. They'd be positively <laughs> turkeys. <laughs> oh my goodness! So well, while you were um, bathing in the glory of being a new aunt, I just had the most silly fun thing that happened on the weekend that ended up really um, adding a lot of happiness and joy to the whole weekend, which is that um, we have a mother runner here in Portland, Jessica, who's doing a um, little bit of administrative work for us. And she lives uh, about 14 blocks from me, maybe roughly. And so she, so I had finished, so Molly and I had finished up our run on Saturday morning and I get back and hopped in the shower. And when I get out, there's a text from Jessica, the woman who's working for us. And it was a photo that it was, you look closely and there was change all over the road. And she's like, pennies from heaven? Question mark. And she said, it's at 24th and Thompson, which is a block from my house. She's like, I didn't want to pick them up. You should send your kids over to get it. And I'm like, send my kids. I'm bringing one of my kids and I'm going myself. And so, so she'd sent the text at nine Oh one by this point it's nine 16. I'm thinking, Oh, 15 minutes have gone by. I'm sure someone's gotten it. And so I'm like, Daphne, get your shoes on now. And we, so we, I, we speed walk over there and you won't believe this given my, you know, propensity for finding chains on run runs. But even so knowing that it was at one of the four corners at this intersection, I still was like, where is it? What is Jessica talking about? Hmm. And then I took a closer look and, Oh, those little round copper colored things are not, you know, fallen leaves, but they are change. Dimity. It was ground was covered with change cover. Wow. What do you think it was from? Well, that's Molly and I, when I was telling her, like, she's like, what's the backstory? What's the backstory? And so I envisioned someone getting kind of ticked off at somebody else and throwing their change out the window of a car because so, um, so it was on the street itself. Some of it was on the sidewalk. Some of it was even in the grass. That's kind of on the, what we call a parking strip here in Portland. And, um, there were a whole bunch of pennies and then I started finding some dimes and then, a you know, I don't know, 20 feet down the road, Daphne's like, I found a quarter. I found another quarter. I found a nickel. And so I got the, so it, it felt like it was, um, must have been, you know, maybe some quarters and, and, you know, the heavier change at the bottom of something and then the dimes and pennies on top. And okay, so I, and I hadn't brought anything along. And so I'm just shoving it in my jeans pockets. <laughs> and, and I'm talking fistfuls of change. So and wow. we had to get we had to hustle off to Phoebe's game soccer game. And so we think we've gotten it all. And we go back, and we just, you know, put it in a jar and are like, okay, we'll count it when we get home. And so when we're at the game, Daphne's like, mom, how much do you think we found? And I'm like, um, I think maybe like $3 and 17 cents. Oh no. We original count was $7 and 51 cents. 
Wow. <laughs> yeah. And then um, then the, the the afternoon was all eaten up by soccer games as well. And part of me was like, oh, maybe we should go back. And I thought, oh, Sarah, come on. You got like $7.51 that you didn't know you had and the fun of finding it. And then at dinner, John, my son, was like, hey, mom, you want to go back and look for more change? And I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so so by, that point wow. it was, by that point, it was drizzling. He has this big, you know, kind of mag light flashlight. I have the, the flashlight on my iPhone. And there we are looking for it. And I found an additional dime that was completely hidden in the grass. And um, I found two more pennies. He found a penny. And then um, the next afternoon, the twins had their best friend Lucy over and they were like, oh, we're bored, we're bored, what should we do? And I'm like, oh, go for a little walk, go look at Halloween decorations. Oh, of course, they make a beeline back to where the change was and each of the twins found a penny. So it brought our grand total, if my math is correct, I think we found um, $7 and um, oh, it was originally we found seven forty one, and we ended up with um, seven fifty six. Wow. So yes, so wow. and and unlike my usual, you know, hoarding tendencies of found change, um, particularly since I hadn't found this originally, and thanks to Jessica for directing me to it, um, Daphne and I are contemplating what we're going to buy with it, and I want it to be something that will last, not just you know a whole bunch of Skittles or something like that. Well, what can you buy for seven fifty six? Yeah, like a little. Um, Daphne is really into succulent plants right now. Like, are succulent plants big everywhere, or are they just the thing in portland um like uh, a whole foods you know they'll have like whole succulent plant displays sure yeah 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 they're big. i mean they're, i wouldn't call them big but they're around here yeah yeah, yeah. so i'm thinking maybe you know because sometimes they come in pretty little pots or something so maybe we get a pretty little pot to put her succulent plant in or maybe um I don't know, a nice little hand cream or something or <laughs> I don't know. Good. Oh, I'm glad you're going to I'm glad you're going to do something with it together. That's good. Yeah, yeah, because because it it's falls into this kind it's not ill-gotten booty exactly, but it it's not change that I exactly found. But the crazy thing is, so I mentioned that it was at 24th and Thompson, and I realized that means nothing except to our Portland listeners, but um Molly and I were running on Thompson and 24th is kind of a busy street and we're running and I was going to suggest, oh, let's go to 24th. And I'm like, ah, oh, no, nah, it's too busy. We'll turn here on 25th. So we were a block away. And so that's that's Molly and I. The thing that torments Molly and I is how much change we must pass when we run that we don't see. And that my dream app is that there will, um, will you get back from a run and it tells you what change you didn't pick up. <laughs> <laughs> I realize that we don't have that technology yet. But... Well, it's probably a couple years down the road. Yeah. But yeah, you wanted to work on that on your free time. <laughs> right, right. So anyway, so it was, I mean, it was so silly, but it just added such moments of brightness to our... And it was... Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it's a fun group project, right? Let's, yeah. let's go clean it up. Let's count it. Let's go back and look again. What are we going to buy with it? I mean, yeah, no, that's definitely fun. That's right, awesome. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I think you should, you know, maybe buy a piece of gum or something for Jessica too to thank her yeah yeah for the tip you know right right she not, uh, not you know, or give her a leaf off a succulent or something I, mean, I don't know <laughs> let her borrow the succulent for a couple yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> yeah well there probably isn't any change on the trails that most people run but we are going to focus on trail running today aren't we Sarah yes we are we are and we have a special guest to talk about it we're thinking of this kind of as trail running 101 episode and our guest is Lisa Jung who lives lives in Boulder and she's the mother of two school-aged sons. Um, Lisa and you and I go way back. Um, we were all freelance writers back in the day and, and Lisa still does. Lisa's a journalist who's written for a variety of publications including Outside and Shape magazines. She's a contributing editor of Runner's World and um, the reason she's specifically perfect for this podcast is she is the author of the recently released book called Trailhead, The Dirt on All Things Trail Running. And Lisa herself is a trail runner, a triathlete, an adventure racer, and just all around great gal. So, but before we bring on Lisa, we're going to take a quick break to hear from a partner, and then we'll talk with Lisa. Welcome, Lisa Jung. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So tell us about your trail running history. Oh, wow. How far back should I go? Um, I started running toward well, the end of high school. I was born on a get, trail right. back in 19... <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, I was find just my way joke. back to humanity. Um, when I started running, I lived in San Diego, and 
decided to start running on the beach. I just, it made sense to me to run somewhere pretty and inspiring. So I ran on the sand, um, ideally at low tide, um, to sort of get in shape for volleyball tryouts in college. So I started running, when I started really running for distance, it was on a soft surface, which I consider a trail being on the beach is trail-like to me. So um, I started there, kept running after quitting volleyball in Santa Barbara on the sand and on the bluff trails all around there. And then everywhere I've lived since have run on trails, um, which led me to competitions like trail running races and adventure racing and all sorts of wild and crazy things, all uh, mostly off-road. It's kind of what I like to do is be in the woods and on a natural surface. Nothing against road running, but for me, it's always been about being somewhere pretty and inspiring and the softer surface just feels better on my body. Nice. Have you always lived in places that are close to trails? Um, I'd say yes. If you count San Francisco being close to trails, that's the most urban environment I lived in. Um, but I found great trails like in the Presidio, which is within the city without having to leave the city. I would run there and in Golden Gate Park. Um, and then, of, of course, across the bridge in Marin. But um, every place else I've lived, I had, I've had great access, like in Santa Barbara and Marin County. And then I lived in Tahoe, which I had epic trails right out the door. And now I'm in Boulder, which has plenty of trails. But I think even in urban environments, there are trails to be had, whether that's in a city park or even in town in Boulder, I seek out little dirt paths, whether that's an alley behind people's houses or crushed gravel path that gets me to um, longer trails. That's so, it's, I have to say, having lived in San Francisco off and on for eight years, I think it's so funny that you're like, well, even in San Francisco, which to me, <laughs> it has like such amazing trails right in the city. I mean, I, yeah. I, I love running in the Presidio and Golden Gate Park. And, I know, I do too. Yeah, yeah. I and, miss that, yeah. Yeah, oh my. And I guess, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I think Marin County, I mean, the headlands are just, to me, the most beautiful place mm-hmm. in, in the world, pretty much. That's where my ashes are going to be scattered when I oh, yeah? depart this world. Yes. <laughs> Plan ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, the Marin, all those trails over there are just outstanding. And I go back um, once a year to run the Dipsy Race, which is my favorite. But whenever I am in the area, I try my hardest to get over the bridge and run on either headlands trails or deeper into Marin. Yeah. Some outstanding trail running out there. Yeah, yeah. You talked a little bit about how you prefer to run on natural ground. I mean, can you tell us why you prefer trail running over road running? I mean, what are the main differences in your mind? Well, the body benefits or differences between road running and trail running, um, the softer surface of a trail, whether that's super soft like a beach or just a little bit soft like a hard-packed dirt to me, and science backs this up, it's not just to me, but um, it's easier on your joints. The impact of a trail takes a little bit of the jarring out of your body as opposed to running on pavement. Um, that's one thing. And then the varying terrain of a trail also makes you stronger and you're kind of, it's kind of a more athletic movement, like hopping around things and being a little more dynamic. And to me, that's just fun. It just, I don't ever think about miles or time or anything. I'm just kind of exploring. And also, just the exploration feeling you have, the little bit of adventure every time. Um, even if you're just on a smooth gravel path next to a river, you're just still in the wild and it's a natural setting and it just feels better to me than just pounding miles on a road. Um, it is fun to race on roads and run on roads and sometimes that's just the nature of your day, just hopping on a road. But um, trail running also, the mind, the benefits for, the mental benefits, sorry, um, have been proven also to give people more of a break from their day. There's studies that have shown that you get a break from any anxieties. Running on a technical trail kind of gives you a break from any anxiety you might be having from the day, and you go back to work or go back to your situation at home just feeling refreshed. Yeah, so lo- just being in a natural environment does that more than in an urban environment. Sorry, go ahead. I, I love that cute graphic in your book, your your brain before a trail run and your brain after a trail run. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah that drawing was fun to visualize, I guess. And that's really how I feel. And my sister comments about that every time she goes for a run. She's like, oh, my brain <laughs> um, just refers back to the illustration. And I, I do think it's true. Um, I think road running does that for a lot of people just the endorphins and just the sweating and the breathing and the time to yourself and all that. But 
I think trail running just adds a little bit more because you're in nature and you're getting the maybe a little bit more fresh air than you would on a road. And you're also not worrying about traffic or stoplights or anything like that. You're just out running um, over whatever sort of terrain. And maybe you're seeing a few more birds or something else in the wild that is just a little treat during the day. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think I totally agree with you. I mean, I feel I remember the first time I ran on a trail in Colorado, I was on a trip and I felt like I was in a video game and it was just <laughs> so engaging. I just yeah. loved it. I mean, it's like, you know, you're going, you know, you're going left, right. You're dodging rocks. And I mean, it sounds, that sounds a little bit more dramatic than it really is, but there's something about a trail run that forces you to be present. Like That's when you're right. on the road, you can, mind can wander and you can worry more and you, you know, but you know, certainly there are stretches of trails that are nice and smooth and, and mm-hmm. are more conducive to daydreaming, but there's something about just being on a trail and just being like, okay, all I'm going to do is pay attention to where my, where my feet are going, you know, and, and maybe hopefully looking around, although that's, that's so much harder Mm -hmm. than everyone's like, you know, look around and you're like, I can't, (laughs) but you you know, you have to stop and take picture. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or just stop for a second and soak it all in. But yeah, I agree with you. And that's what I uh, was meaning to say with the break from anxiety. It, It totally forces you to be present and in the moment. And not a lot of things can do that for people during the day. And so that, um, being present definitely has such value, I think for, Mm -hmm. um, just staying sane in our crazy world. So I agree with you and looking around can be tricky, but even when you can see things in your peripheral vision, trees and rocks and flowers and things like that, I think, um, it's just nice, right? I mean, it's nice and you can always stop and look around and uh, soak it all in. For sure. But it's like, It's like, you know, you're in the, in this like amazing vista and you're like, well, I'm just looking 10 feet in front of me. So I don't bite it, you know, like right, right, I, sure. uh, when mm-hmm. I was uh, speaking at Moran and about looking around, I, one of my most vivid running memories is, um, the, it was Christmas Eve day. So like about four o'clock in the afternoon on December 31st going into, I think, um, 1999. Yeah. And so I was over in the Marin headlands running. It was just this glorious, almost sunset time. Uh, Jack, you know, my husband, then boyfriend had just moved from Chicago to be with me and I'm running along thinking, oh, life is so great. This is so beautiful. I'm having such a great time. Boom. I trip. Oh. And thankfully, since it was December, I was wearing gloves, so my hands didn't yeah. get ripped up. But um, I, it was like something out of a comedy yeah. movie, you know? It sounds a little comical. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but you were okay. I was totally Rick's fine. And, and I mean, I, I have since gone back to enjoy many a run in um, the Marin Headlands. And But sure. um, but yeah, it is that, um, that it is hard to... It's the same difference, same thing with when I run around my neighborhood versus walking around my neighborhood. You know, I can... I see so many more details when I'm walking than when I'm running. So right. I think the same right. thing holds true. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm sorry you fell. Yeah. No. 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 I'm. I'm. I'm okay. <laughs> it's okay. So. Um, yeah. So do you do you still run on roads at all, Lisa? I do. Um, yeah. There's times where I just kind of crave a good leg turnover. You know, which you can definitely get on trails sometimes if you find the right ones. But I'm also sometimes crunched for time and. A trail from my house is not far, but it's a mile. So, you know, I could run a mile to the trails, which I tend to do, or I just run in a different direction and run on a creek path, which is paved, and check my mile splits or whatever. So, yeah, I occasionally run on road, but if, um, if there's any way I can get to dirt, I'll do it <laughs> for the most part. You're... I sometimes run on the track. That's sure. fun. I mean, you know, it's all it's all fun, but I um, I just crave I crave dirt and grass and crunchy gravel and sand and just kind of suits me better, I guess, for whatever reason. Can you, can you still run on the sand when you go home to San Diego? I mean, that to me just feels, it is like torturous. Oh yeah. I'm actually headed there this weekend and plan on running on the sand. Um, I try to go if I can at low tide makes a big difference uh-huh. running. Okay. So like I look up the tide charts like as soon as I land or like before I go to see when it's low tide and it'll be twice a day sometimes it's in the middle of the night which doesn't work out but you know when it is say like it says low tide at 6 a.m. I know that I should run earlier in the day as opposed to near maybe noon when it'll be high tide because then the sand is more packed um there's just more packed sand and it's more level than if you're running at high tide and the beach is like slanted and there's just mostly soft sand um, yeah. So yeah, I, I enjoy running on the beach. 
It's so. also also the the West Coast I find has a lot um, larger, much deeper beaches. So you talking about how it's f- more flat? I think yeah. you know I grew up on the East Coast and the beaches seem so much more narrow, and so it would be like running on a seriously canted road. Whereas sure. you know I still though think I I'm with Dimity in thinking that it's you're you're mighty badass for running on sand because it just is way too much tension on my Achilles tendons. And huh. uh, yeah. 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 I don't know. It's funny because it's it's how I grew up running. It's how I started to run. So I guess I've never thought of it as weird or harder or anything like that. I mean, it is definitely hard when it's softer sand um, if yeah. you don't hit it at the perfect low tide because that's not always realistic. But um, soft sand can be fun. I don't know. I was visiting my parents once in Laguna Beach. They were up there on a trip. And that is a – it's not necessarily a narrow beach, but it's more narrow than where I run in Del Mar. And – um, it was challenging. I mean, it was mostly soft sand, but I would just look at it as, okay, I'm doing like some strength training this week. I'm doing shorter runs in kind of more minimal natural shoes and I'm running sand. And then I just made the workouts really short. I jump in the ocean afterwards, maybe run some stairs at the end of these coves, but, um, yeah, sand's hard. <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> okay. So, so let's sell trail running to somebody who is not like is interested, but is maybe a little bit intimidated by it. Like how, you know, if you wanted to get someone started, what would you tell them? Okay. Well, a big mission of mine and a big point I tried to make in my book is that trail running does not equal ultra running. Um, they are not one and the same and running up a 14,000 foot mountain is not trail running. You can run two, three miles, whatever on a smooth dirt or gravel path, um, in nature and call yourself a trail runner. I think I just want to make it not intimidating to people. So, and it doesn't have to be riddled with rocks and roots. You don't have to have that video game experience, but um, you can just enjoy the softer surface, the stronger body that you'll get from running. The soft surfaces actually make you stronger. Um, And any sort of obstacles on a trail also make you stronger, but that's a whole other, that's a whole chapter in the book. But it's nice. It's pleasant. It's, it feels better on your body. I think a lot of people who maybe have, um, Injuries could really benefit from running on trails because of the softer impact of the surface. Um, And it makes you stronger. And it's also just fun to go exploring. I think trail running can appeal to people who maybe don't even think they want to run, period. Mm -hmm. Like maybe people from other sports, maybe they're hikers or rock climbers or mountain bikers. I think those people are more apt to try trail running than they are road running. Um, And you can also just go slower I don't know. There's something about trail running that you don't have to look at a watch. Like there were years that I didn't even wear a watch and I'm not talking like a garment. I'm talking like a time telling device. <laughs> device. Right. You left or your pocket I, watch at home. Right. right. <laughs> took it out of my pocket. No, I just would run, um, for time or I'd run to something that I was craving, like an overlook near my house. I'd go with a dog, one of like my dog and run up this one hill down the other side and up another hill and run home. And I wouldn't care how fast I went or what my splits were or anything like that. It just was some place to go see a view and a good way to get there Mm -hmm. and a good workout, Mm -hmm. not to mention the workout. There's that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I just, I think it just has so much appeal and I just don't want people to be intimidated by it. I think I mean, ultra running is growing. It's huge. Um, as far as niche sports go, it's just been growing. But I just, <laughs> it's yeah, huge I don't know about niche huge <laughs> as far as uh, subsets of other niche sports. But um, I just think people can enjoy trails without thinking they have to become an ultra runner. Sure. Nice, well, it's kind of like even equating a marathon, a runner with a marathon, right? Right, like, right. Like, oh, you run? I'm like, yeah, but, but not marathons, you know? Right. Um, so, yeah, yeah. definitely. So, yeah. and, so and do you think there's a kind of a break-in period for trail running since it calls on so many smaller muscles than road running, like especially around the ankle? Um, yeah, I think that's a smart way to approach it. Um, there's a little paragraph in my book that says, easy does it. And it's like starting any <laughs> – catchy little headers. Um, it's <laughs> like starting any exercise program. You don't want to go all in. Even if you are well-trained on the road, I think it's a good idea to kind of ease into trail running, like you said, because you are working all those little – muscles that you don't normally recruit on the road, like stabilizing muscles around your ankles, your hip joints, your adductors. Um, the, <laughs> I had just had one of my two kids and I went on a run in the snow. So this was, this was just a case in point. 
snow is like, can, it's like sand, right? I mean, it, it, yeah. it gives. And I, I love it when it snows and all the tre- streets are covered in snow because it's like you've got trails out your door, softer surface. It's pretty. You're on a natural surface, all this stuff. But I went out on this run thinking, yeah, I'm just going to run, whatever. And I got back and I was so sore. Like my whole body was <laughs> sore. And it just made me realize how, I don't know, those forgiving surfaces just um, take a toll. And I I'm, I was getting stronger, but everything was just... Uh, achy. So I guess, yes, I should have gone on a shorter run that day because the snow was so deep. Um, and people getting into trail running should kind of ease into it for that same reason. But the good news is that once you ease into it and the more you do it, the stronger you get, um, throughout your body, I think in just multi dimensional planes, uh, more so than road running. Well, so let's talk a little bit about, I mean, if people do wear a GPS, um, and because, um, your splits are going to slow down more. For sure. Yes. Pretty sure. Like at least like one to two minutes a mile. Is that what you kind of um, think? Or? I don't think there's a straight formula because every okay. trail is different. I mean, sure. if you run on a smooth dirt path that's flat, it might be a little bit slower. Um, if you run on an undulating path, you know, it just depends on where you run. I just, I just think throw it out the door, leave it at home. I mean, if you want to know how far you went or any of that feedback, um, if you like that, if it's motivating for you, I think that's fine. But I just don't think comparing road running splits to trail running splits does anyone any good. I think sure. it just creates anxiety. Yeah, no, I <laughs> agree. It's just I agree. To oranges, you know, it's like totally different. Like you could run, um, like there's this 3.2 mile trail here in Boulder, Sanitas, Mount Sanitas, right? And I'm like running up it, it's 1500 feet of climbing. Um, so if you're measuring your splits, you're going to like lose your mind, but it's just, you get such a butt kicking workout out of it that, um, it doesn't even matter. So yeah, I think that's a big transition for people who are addicted to their garments or just really like them for road running. I think just try to not let your splits ruin your run. (laughs) Well, and I was, I mean, mostly I was thinking about, well, two things to, to back that point up. I just ran this weekend, um, with a woman, a very talented runner who like ran her first marathon on three 30. Um, and so she's, you know, she's got some speed in her and then she went and did the Moab marathon or something like that. And she's like, and it took me like six hours. And I was like, that's probably a really good time for that. Yeah. Of course, you know? Yeah. So I was like, you, you know, that's not the same. Um, but I think going, you know, to the point of breaking it in, I've, you know, done a couple articles on trail running. And so like, say you are, you want to go, you have a four miles queued up on your training plan, right? And that normally takes you 40 minutes. So yeah. on the trail, you go for 40 minutes, right? You don't go for four miles. Absolutely. That's kind of what I wanted to yes. just, that's, that's like a nice equation. It's like to go by time on the trails instead go of by, by your mileage. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Because 40 minutes, I mean, that could be two miles. I mean, it just depends, you know, and that's not to say you're not getting as good a workout or you're not logging whatever you need to log. But I think going by time on the trails is a lot, um, better just because the variety of trails and surfaces and undulating, I mean, you know, it's just every trail is different. Every run is different and the trail itself could be different on any given day if it's soft or hard or rockier or whatever, you know? So yes, time over distance for sure. That's a good point. Okay. So let's talk about, um, about safety because going back to that intimidation factor. So, um, so I'm thinking mountain lions, I'm thinking being lost <laughs> in the wild, I'm thinking grizzly bears and rattlesnakes and, you know, the being cra- out in the crazy mild. Axe murders. Uh-huh. Crazy right. axe murders and only having one, you know, chocolate goo to sustain me for the next 48 hours. Like, how do you kind right. of talk? Dimity's still, Dimity's still not over that, that scenario. Oh, yeah. oh no. <laughs> well, axe murders are mostly in urban centers, like less like <laughs> oh, is that, trails. Is, is that studies, a stat? There's studies about that, right? <laughs> right, right? Yeah, I don't know. There's yeah, studies back it up. Um, I do think running in nature can be a lot safer than running in a city for various reasons. The axe murders, the traffic, whatever. But um glass, you know, all these things. But um valid point about animals. I've talked to a lot of people um at various events with the book who were thinking about trail running, but the animal thing like really gets them. And in Boulder, you know, we've got mountain lions and bears and snakes and all sorts of things. But like, I don't know. I kind of look at those encounters and I've been lucky. I haven't had anything too sketchy, but it's kind of a treat to see a bear from far away. Right. And like, I've never seen a mountain lion. They don't want to be bothered. They don't want to bother you. They just, if they hear you, they're going to bolt. They're not going to 
jump on you for fun, you know? And like, I also think just knowing what to do if you do encounter certain animals, um, is empowering. And I think people should know it's hard to keep straight what animals to run from and what animals to like stand tall and look. Make yourself big, right? Yeah. I mean, and you can't, it's, it's tough to remember that in the moment, but, um, there's this little chart in my book because I wanted to make it as easy as possible that lists the animals you're supposed to run from and then the animals that you are supposed to stand tall. But it's also, you know, it's hard to memorize those things. So I think there's someone on a podcast right now, someone, one of our listeners is on a trail and she sees a mountain lion at this very moment. Is she running or is she standing still? No, no, don't run. And mountain lions like a good game of chase. So stand tall. Okay. You make what, a what other ones do you not do you not run from? What's that? Oh, what's the gosh, whole bear gosh. thing? The if it's brown, lie down. If it's black, fight back. Or what is well, that? There's a bear. Yeah, um, bears I just made are it up. No, very complicated. Oh, <laughs> no, <I'm laughs> joking. Making up little <laughs> rhyming schemes. Um, bears are tricky because it's all based on situation. Mm. So it's not. There's not a clear cut rule. It's if the bear doesn't see you and you see the bear, you back away slowly, go a different direction, whatever. If the bear sees you but doesn't show any interest, you kind of do the same thing. If the bear like looks interested in you, you back away, but you kind of like you're supposed to walk in like making 90 degree turns if it seems like it's following you. I don't know. There's there's I've got this huge section on bears because it's totally based on situation. Um, but the question, Dimity, you're asking about mountain lions. Yeah. yeah. So it's stand tall. Oh, and then you said, what other animals do you not run away from? So do not run away from a mad dog, a coyote, a wolf, a bobcat, a mountain lion, a wild pig, or a bear who has seen you. Those animals, you're supposed to stand tall, put your arms in the air, and back away slowly. And wave don't, like you don't care? No. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's exactly right. That would probably work. And you don't, But you don't want to turn your back on those animals and run because it's instinctual. I mean, they're predators. And to a mountain lion who maybe you came across its whatever it was doing. Like a, I came across once, was with my dog. She started acting weird. And then like a little bit, a couple seconds later, we came across this freshly gnawed off deer leg. <laughs> so that we turned around really quickly. But if you came across, if there was probably a mountain lion watching me from somewhere, but I just, we just turned around and went a different direction. But had the, had I come face to face with the mountain lion, I would have not turned my back. Hopefully I would have known that at the time, but I would have backed away slowly until I was out of sight and then run. But the predator animals, um, Unfortunately, they like a good game of chase. So if you turn your back and run, they, you know, it's like a cat with like a feather toy under a couch. It's going <laughs> to, you know, it's like I don't a know cat is... with a feather toy. Right. Just think of it as that. So you're the feather toy. No, I just, um, not to intimidate people further, but I just think educating yourself on what to do in different animal encounters can make you feel more safe. And then the animal encounters are good for everyone. Like the, you get to see an animal and come home and tell people. I mean, some runs I get to see like family of foxes or like a a bunch of deer, you know, it's just, it's nice. Like it's stuff you don't see when you're running through the city necessarily. Oh, I mean, I remember distinctly every time I've seen a bobcat on a run and it's just so exciting and thrilling and Right. It feels incredibly special. And and, yeah. and also, I mean, I live right in the heart of Portland and I see a coyote maybe every six months out on the streets. Oh, yeah. So, huh. <laughs> oh, and then the dog barks as if on cue. Yeah. He's a wild one. I got to back away from him. <laughs> Don't turn your back on that bark. <laughs> um, but isn't also in your book, isn't there some comment that, what was it about that there were more people were hurt more by certain things than by a coyote attack. And I'm forgetting what it was. And those certain things (laughs) are errant golf balls and flying champagne corks. So according to the Humane Society of the United States, more people are killed by errant golf balls or flying champagne corks than are bitten by coyotes. So there. So when you're on a trail run, watch out for golf balls and flying champagne corks. (laughs) (laughs) And I I, I mean, obviously you don't want anything to go on any go wrong on any run, but I feel like, you know, the chances of getting hit by a car or having an encounter, you know, in the city, you know, having something in an urban environment, a suburban environment versus, you know, seeing a bear on a trail. Like, I don't know, it just feels a lot smaller to me. A lot smaller. I definitely, I agree with that. And people can also take precautions. I mean, when um, I got to be on a press trip in 
um, remote British Columbia and went for a trail run, you know, I carried um, a big bell with me and I know there's bear spray and, right. and, you know, we get questions like that on our Facebook page about what to do with that. So there are, you know, and it's not like you can keep a, carry a bell to keep cars away from you when you're running on a road right, right. Or I know. car spray that's called like one of those big air horns <laughs> get out of my way and they might not even hear you because they're rocking out but the one thing about bear spray you have to know how to use it because i guess when i was looking into this about bears um, my bear expert was saying that a lot of people carry bear spray and don't know how to use it because they all come with different directions so oh. anyways read the directions um good to know good to yeah know. well yeah. And also i think it would depend partly on which way the wind was blowing because otherwise you know it's going into your eye instead of their sure. eyes and, you yeah it's a lot to think about yeah, see a bear. yeah. Right. you might put your you know lick, lick your finger put it up to the wind okay now i'm going to turn <laughs> to the left and right and and walk backwards at 90 degree angles and <laughs> well i mean okay so here's another thing about safety i tell people and i also just live by this. I don't ever wear headphones on a trail. You know, you want to be present. You want to be aware of your surroundings, um, all senses on so that if you're running on a trail and you hear something rustling in the leaves and you see that it's a bear, the bear doesn't see you because you had time to spot it and you can back away slowly and do your own thing. If you're wearing headphones on a trail, I just think you're, I mean, not only are you missing the sound of the rustling wind in the trees and the birds chirping and the babbling brooks and all that stuff. But I think you're just um, putting yourself, I guess, in less safe, in a less safe zone by just not being aware, fully aware of your surroundings. So I think with the bear thing, you'll probably see any bear before it sees you if can, you're Can aware. I share a wild um, creature encounter that I had on a road run this week? Please um, do. <laughs> that, yes. So Molly, my best running friend and I were running along and, you know, there's a lot of um, leaves on the road. And so we're running. And so I feel something, Molly's talking and I feel something kind of soft underneath my right mm. foot as I'm lifting it up. And then I feel something hit the side of my left shoe, <laughs> the inside of my left shoe. And then I hear scuttle, scuttle, scuttle. And I look over <laughs> And oh, it's a rat. I was gonna guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. and so so uh, Molly is a veterinarian, and yeah. so I'm like, Molly, do you think it think it was a rat? Maybe it was just oh, a mouse. And she's like, No, it's nighttime. You know, it was early morning. Yeah, it was still dark out. She's like, It was a rat. You uh, know, mice are not up at this time of day. And I'm like, Oh, she's a vet. She knows what she's talking about. <laughs> and so so I tweeted about it, and people were like, Oh. Well, you know, well, you know, alive or dead, you know, and in which one's better? And I'm like, oh, please, I saw a dead rat on my last bike ride. It's so worse to encounter a live rat than a yeah. dead one. <laughs> and to like step on it. So how well did you scrub your left shoe? <laughs> right. I guess it didn't hit your leg. It was just your it shoe. It was my shoe. Yeah. So my poor Sockenies. Um, yeah. yeah. And well, it, you didn't step on its tail to make it jump and it like. Oh, I know. Turn around and bite my ankle. Feet. Just just what my ankle needs. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. So you know, so wild animals are are there at every turn. You never know where you'll sure. encounter one. <laughs> That's right. And you had a good story to tell from it. So right, right. You know, right. It's cost you. It's the price you got to pay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So um. So okay. So maybe maybe not carrying bear spray. But um. What do you think are the three most critical things to bring along on a trail run? The three most critical things to bring along on a trail run. I think. I mean, it depends on how long you're running and where you're running. Mm -hmm. But I think on, I tell people on runs shorter than 40 minutes, you pretty much don't need to bring anything. I think it's just it doesn't have to be super complicated. You don't have to throw on a big ultra running pack with a full water bladder and a whistle. And a, I just don't think it's necessary. You're running. You're just running. You're going to be back soon and you know where you're going. Um, if you're going out for longer or you're in the mountains or the weather might change. I think, um, bringing water is, or some sort of, if you drink electrolyte replacement, whatever, some sort of fluid, it's just like on a road run, you know, you just, you bring some sort of fluid in the most comfortable way possible, whether that's a handheld for you or a waist mounted pack or an over the shoulder pack. I think that is personal preference. Um, and fuel again, that's just like road running. Um, I think trails tend to be cooler whether you're running in the mountains or in and out of dense trees. So you might want to bring a layer, whether that's a long sleeve shirt 
to tie around your waist if you get hot, um, worn over your short sleeve shirt or a really thin jacket. Um, that's a nice thing to have. And gloves are nice to have also for, as you mentioned, tripping and falling and saving your hands. Um, they kind of save you from that. Uh, and if it's cool, it's just nice to have a thin pair of gloves. Um, I really like gloves on mountain running in particular. But I think trail running can be really simple. You don't need a ton of stuff. You don't. I mean, you can run. If you, all you have are road running shoes, baggy cotton shorts, and like a college t-shirt, go, <laughs> go run on a trail. You'll be fine. Like you're not going to die. You're not going to, you know, suffer chafing. I mean, I just, I think trail running gear or dressing appropriately and trail running shoes just makes your running experience that much more comfortable, which makes you stay out longer and want to do it again. So I think gear can be used to your advantage, but I don't think you need a whole ton of stuff to go enjoy the trails. Nice. That's a good message. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about, you know, where you're going because, um, yeah. yeah, that, that is important. And I mean, there are a lot of, when you're in a video game situation, <laughs> it can be, you know, hard sometimes. I mean, cause then you're like, Oh, I'll remember this rock and I'll know how to take a left when I come back. And then I'm coming right. back and I'm like, wait, the rock, was that the rock I was supposed to remember? I can't, sure. you know, like, do you have any tricks on, first of all, how you find the trails? And then secondly, like, do you, you know, do you give yourself little markers or anything like that to make sure well, that you're coming home the right way? Like, like leave breadcrumbs? Breadcrumbs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Homemade I mean, breadcrumbs or store-bought ones, you know? I, I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, how many times though do you go on a run on a trail and take every turn possible off the trail, you know, and have to remember all the turns you took? I mean, I think if you're running alone, somewhere new, you stay on the main trail. Like, yeah. don't take the right and the left and the right and the left, like, if you can help it, you know, and stay on the main trail. Like, look at a map, if not carry a map, if you're running somewhere new, um, and know how to read it. Um, and stay on the main trail. If you feel like exploring a little bit, like, if you, you see something you want to see off to the right, know that you took a right, run a little bit, like, I don't know, not very far, 15 feet, and turn around and look at what you just did so that you know what it looks like from that direction. Um, I was just on a panel actually at this trail conference in Estes Park with Anita Ortiz, who, um, you know, is a very experienced ultra runner. And she said that she does that when she runs and she likes to get lost on purpose. But what she does is when she takes a turn, she turns around and looks at it. So she knows what it looks like from the other direction. Yeah, that's very clever. Returning. Yeah. Because like a tree doesn't look the same. Mm-hmm from both sides or a rock especially doesn't look the same from both sides. So if you're going to go exploring, um, that's a good tip, I think. Um, and just knowing the lay of the land, um, is obviously helpful, but sometimes you're running someplace new. Um, and you mentioned finding a trail. There's a few different ways you can find a trail, um, asking around, asking friends, asking in specialty running stores or outdoor stores. People who work at those places tend to know trails, um, in the area. That's kind of why they work there so they can enjoy that world. Um, joining up with trail running groups in the area and some road running groups run on trails also. So you can check and see what, if a road running group does that. And they also change locations every once in a while. So you get to learn more trails in your area. Um, and then when you're on a group run, it's easy to not pay attention where you're going because you're just following a leader and stopping at junctions, but try to pay attention so you can go back and run that route on your own if you want to. Um, on that, on that note that I remember Dimity, you wrote in run like a mother, you had a really nifty way, a system of how you would learn trails from, from friends. So do you want to share that? Um, yeah, I mean, it's basically like if I'm going to go on a trail for the first time, um, I'll go with a friend who knows it. Right. Yes. Right. And so I'll follow her. And then if, you know, and then if the opportunity comes up, um, I'll, the next time we go together, I'll ask to lead and like only, you know, and try yeah. to try to do it on my own without her yep. helping me. Um, that's a really good tip. Cause that way, you know, then you get like, you get taught and then you get to kind of teach, I guess, or something like right. that. And when um, you're teaching your friend, then you're not it, it's kind of low consequence because if you mess up, she can go, no, this way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a good exactly. little trial yeah. run. Yeah. 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 That, that, that's a good way to do it. And, but I do, I'm a big fan of the out and back when I'm by myself and in a place yeah. that I don't know where I am. I mean, I'm just, I, I do do that, but, but there are times where you're like, okay, I'm going to take this cause it looks cool, you know, right. and then you yeah. come back. And I like the idea of turning around and looking at it. And yeah. even, you know, I mean, I have, 
put little piles of rocks, right? Like, yeah, you know, like, cairns, sure. Yeah, yeah, like, so, but you know that that I know what they mean, but no one else would know, you know, yeah. in, in, yeah. A, in a place that, um, that no one will kick them over. Dimity likes know? to spray graffiti, you know. Big, she has this stylized yeah. D that she puts on a tree. You <laughs> right. know, it's it's low impact. It's okay. Hot pink, <laughs> glitter, paint. Right, glitter, um, glitter. You seem yeah, like a right. glitter kind of gal, Lisa. Yeah, Everybody yeah. listening oh, yeah. has been me. thinking that all along. <laughs> you guys know me so well. No, I just, um, I think it comes back to awareness also, you know, and I don't, it, not so much headphones or not, but I mean, just having all senses on. Like if you sure. kind of just have a good sense of direction or even if you don't, just paying attention to your surroundings so that you're staying found the whole time like you know where you are and even in some place you've never been you just kind of know that well you were going uphill now you're going downhill or you did cross over a creek that's just awareness um and that is a good safety measure in any sport any scenario i think and that also goes back to your point about you know really being present because having to do that forces you to do that so by its very nature of what you're doing it puts you puts you in the place and hopefully you'll find your way back so yeah yeah yeah. more likely yeah yeah awesome lisa well we hope to see you out on a trail run sometime soon yes i hope to see you both as well thanks 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 for joining us bye happy trails to you until we meet again happy trails to you keep smiling until then well, Dim, now I'm just going to lace up my shoes and head on over to the west side of Portland and, and hit the trails. So hit some trails. Yeah. I mean, there is, if you haven't tried it and you're interested in it, um, I definitely say give it a whirl because it is, it is, it is such a different perspective on running. Um, mm-hmm. And not that, again, like there's nothing wrong with road, road running, but it's nice to know that there's some other flavors out there sometimes. And they do all exist. I, I know in Lisa's book, um, she quotes the stat of saying that there's um, more than 60,000 miles of trails in the U.S. And I'm intrigued to know where she got that stat. I decided not to get all nerdy and ask her that question. But, um, but I, you know, I've lived in a number of different places. And um, like I lived in Wellesley, Massachusetts, which is right outside of Boston. And, and um, one might not think of that as the most trail place. And there were just this amazing network of trails that went from there into this town, Weston and Lincoln. And it was, I, I mean... I was not super happy when I lived there, but I so often reminisce and think back on the trail runs that I took there. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, well, let's now follow a trail that takes us to the challenge corner, Dimity. Shall we do that? Trot on over. Yes. Yes. So this one comes from Shannon N. in the Marathon Challenge. And um, how about I'll read about halfway through and then you can pick it up and Bring it home. Yes. Um, So Shannon says, I cannot believe I ran a marathon yesterday, and I know it would never have happened if it weren't for this challenge, this whole group, Dimity, Sarah, Christine, the podcast, the tweets, this whole Strava app. I ran a half marathon last April, and I was hating life from miles 8 to 13.1. I remember thinking anyone who would run 26.2 must be absolutely nuts or made of something that I'm not. Then, at the end of the race, they told me I could finish the race series, two more half marathons this past summer, and a 10K for Thanksgiving. It was so cheap, and I knew the motivation would keep me honest. So in a moment of weakness, ha, I signed up for the series. Each of those half marathons were hard. My last one, on July 4th, I remember thinking at mile 11, why can't half marathons just be 11 miles? Why 13.1? They're too stupid long. (laughs) <laughs> ha 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 such negative battles going on in my head anyway week after week podcast after podcast i saw women mothers just like myself challenging themselves in ways they never thought possible so i thought i just better do it too a marathon has been on my bucket list something i do someday the, the another mother runner find your strong training plan was great i followed it along fighting slash wrestling with severe toe and hip pain toward the end that i thought would undo everything but that blessedly long taper gave my body time enough to heal and finish the Boulder Res Marathon at four hours and 19 minutes. Thank you so much to each and every one of you. There are 10 regulars that comment on my posts all the time, and I am especially grateful to you. 
That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Gosh, I love that. Like I never, I'm going to do it. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, I guess I'm going to do it. <laughs> it's total like mother runner logic, right? <laughs> exactly. So, so the song uh, that we chose for this, I just love the title. It's Victorious by Panic at the Disco. And, you know, the title alone is perfect for all the gals finding their strong in their races this month and uh, the first part of next month. And I love the refrain in this song. Tonight we are victorious, champagne pouring over us, all my friends are glorious. So ladies, as you listen, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, Friday the 23rd, stop by if you're in the neighborhood of Colorado Springs or Sisters, Oregon. I know so many of you are near Sisters, Oregon, <laughs> uh, because um, Dimity and our pal Denise are going to be at the Zuma Women's Half Marathon in Colorado Springs uh, on the 23rd and the 24th. And on the 23rd, I will be at Happy Girls Sisters, and then I'll be emceeing the race on Saturday morning, which is mostly a trail run now that I think about it, Dimity. And nice. yeah, I yeah. have to say, well, and if I, I might run the Zuma 10K, but if I don't, don't, I think I'm gonna have to go for a trail run in Colorado Springs after. Oh, that'd be awesome. Also, I suspect there might be a few hills there. Um, <laughs> a, few. a few. And, uh, and a few mountain lions, but you know, yeah. I'll just... Stand tall. Stand tall. Away from them slowly. <laughs> I tell you, if I run into a mountain lion, I want to be right near you, Dimity, because you specialize in standing tall. So <laughs> I can do that. I can do that. They'll, they'll be like, oh, I'm going to go for that nugget next to her instead of that tall one. <laughs> Five eleven nugget. I'm such a nugget, you know. Um, and then, um, speaking of Zuma, you and Denise are going to be at Zuma Nashville next month, uh, early November. And then you're also going to be having a party at Fleet Feet Brentwood, which is um, just right near Nashville. So I hope that women who are within, let's say, I don't know, a two, three hour driving distance of Nashville will head on in there. That party is at 7 p.m. on Thursday, November 5th. So ton of fun. And uh, we will share the Eventbrite link in the podcast post. Um, you can also go to um, anothermotherrunner.com. And the join us um, call at the bottom of the page has all of our events. So. Yeah, nice, nice. So whether you are on sand, road, grass, trail, uh, crush rock, hay, uh, yeah, bird seed, <laughs> yes, diamond Legos, dust, yeah, Legos, you run around your house. Yeah, yeah. Whatever surface you are on, many happy miles to you. <laughs> <laughs>